welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the fitness app that turns indoor riding into a game. Explore endless roads, race riders from all over the world, and boost your fitness with monthly training plans and structured workouts. Join the world's training playground where fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, it's Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm very good. I'm very good. This is a special podcast, this one, isn't it? It is a very, very special yeah. podcast. We have a special guest with us, and we wanted to make all the rooms we could for her because she's that big on Australian cycling. It's, of course... Amanda Sprat, how are you, Spratty? Thanks, good. Thanks for the welcome. Happy to be here. <laughs> what an intro. <laughs> you can't be any bigger than this, you know? <laughs> well, I'll take that. I'll take that. Thanks. <laughs> you are in Europe and we are in, uh, in Australia, of course, in, in lockdown. Uh, how is it all going over there for you? Um, yeah, it's going pretty well. We're not in the lockdown anymore. Um, racing started again, which has been the big news from the last couple of months. So, um, yeah, I've just been up at altitude actually. Um, well, I was going to say funnily enough, but not really. I was basing myself uh, just above the Eagle Martin U World's course that's now been cancelled. So I was going to be the absolute expert on that course. Um, we just found out the world has at least been changed. But um, yeah, I've just been basically at altitude training, getting ready for the Giro, which is coming up next week, and then the World Championships and our Dens Classics. So keeping myself busy. And uh, Amanda, big news last couple of days. You've re-signed two more years with Mitchell and Scott. So uh, you're obviously, you've been really happy there. You've had great success. Um, was it? Was there any other team that you could have gone to or was it a foregone conclusion? Um, yeah, I certainly, I did have options, yeah. And, and it was something I was sort of considering. But for me, I always come back and I think, okay, what? where am I happy? What's the team that I'm being challenged in and, and progressing in? And certainly, I mean, yeah, it was publicised. It was a little bit of a rocky road for our team in the middle of the year. But I think with Jerry's support and what he's, he's put back into our team, and I just feel also an immense sense of loyalty um, to, to Jerry, to this team. I've been here from the start and um, I've, I've grown into the rider that I am in this team and I really believe that I can continue to grow. And you also heard the news that Anamik is moving across to Movistar for the next two years. So it also allows me, not just me actually, but quite a few riders in our team to really step up and, and take that lead role, whether it's in, you know, for me in the Giro and Ardennes and other riders in the sort of the Cobbled Classics. So for me, it is that sort of natural progression as well. And and yeah, I mean, I love the team. I love the culture. You know, I don't have a bad word to say about the team. So I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity and the support to be able to sort of step into that leader role. Did you, yourself and the rest of the riders on the team and, and the men's team as well, did you all need Jerry to step in and or step up, I guess, and speak up a few months ago when you say there was that rocky period? And we we're all, I guess, concerned about it as fans and Australians who cover the sport. But is that what you all needed? Just Jerry to say, uh-uh. I'm committed because he's a man of his word, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. And I think, yeah, like I said, I've been with the team since since the start and, and you get to know some of these people. And certainly with Jerry, when he, when he says something like this, then then you know he means it. Um, and, 
yeah, yeah, obviously we were reading, you know, it was hard not to get caught up in some of the stuff happening in the media, but I do have to say that our team was very good at keeping everyone within the organisation quite informed. I mean, we had, um, I was part of an executive group. We also had a writer representative from the men's team, Sam Buley. So, you know, everyone was keep being quite informed within the team, which I think really helped no matter what was being said in the media. So we all sort of knew what path the team was on, but still just having Jerry come in and say, okay, I'm committing and it's not just for one year, it's for two years and... Um, you know, I think he's almost come back with, with even more passion for the team and, and realised how much he loves it as well. So as a writer, I think that was uh, – I, I think you're right. I think that was something that we sort of needed to hear and it's mm. given us a lot of confidence moving forward. You, you of course, mentioned that uh, Anamik is moving on. Uh, I'm sure you've, you knew that uh, a little bit before, but uh, what does that change uh, in, in the team? What does that change in, in – because you guys are such a unit uh, – does that change anything for the rest of the season for you? Uh, I think for the rest of the season, no. And I mean, yeah, like you said, I have known for quite some time now that she that she would be moving on to Movistar. So I think, yeah, at the end of the day, we're all professionals and we're here doing our job. And I think, yeah, we're still, we still get along really well. Um, and I know for her, she said to us, she just wants to finish the, the year as, as well as she started it, which is winning basically everything there is to win. So, um, no, I don't think it's really going to affect it for the rest of the season. I think we're just going to get on with it and try to win more races. And Okay, so we can get to 31 December. We can love Anna Meek until 31 December, and then that's it. She's on our hit list. I, I disagree. We should yeah. love Anna Meek. <laughs> She's done no so way. much. You're wrong. She's done so much for Yeah, but this is what we're like. This is what we do. So it's either with us or you're against us. Isn't that right, Spruce? Spruce spot, mental note. <laughs> Don't get in your bad side. No. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Gee, look at you. You've put one and sinker. Um, okay, look, we'll get serious again. Giro Rosa coming up um, very soon. Uh, you've finished, well, last two years on the podium. How do you go How do you go one or two steps better? I mean, it's always hard to better or an already great result, isn't it, in a tough race? Yeah, it's, it's going to be... Challenging, and obviously the two years where I've been on the podium, Anamika has won both years, so I've been able to do that whilst also supporting her, which is which has been really special actually to have both of us there on the podium. And I know last year she actually helped me to get on that podium, even though she was she was winning by by minutes. So that's something I'm really grateful for to, to her for. Um, the course for this year's Giro, though, it's interesting. Uh, we start with the team's time trial. We don't have an individual time trial. So for me, that's actually going to change it quite a bit. Normally that's, you know, when uh, people who are really targeting that world's time trial, like Anna Meek, Anna Vanderbregen, that's their chance to really get a lot of minutes on the rest of the field. So this year I feel like it's a lot more dynamic course. We've got, I think, five hilltop finishes. I think they're saying only two sprint stages. And, yeah, I mean, all the way to the last stage, we're not going to be sipping champagne and rolling around Rome. We're going to be racing all the way to the death. We finish with a mountaintop finish on the last day as well. So it's going to be... Mountaintop finish, final day. Yeah, so we have a mountain that we just loop around, I think, five times and, and, and then it finishes at the top of that on the final day. So, I mean, it's going to be much more tactical and you're not going to know the result until that very last day. And I think... As well with the way Anamik's been racing so far, no one wants to get to a climb and, and try to match it with her. So f f in my opinion, it's going to be a lot more tactical. We're going to see even more aggressive racing than what we're already used to with women's cycling. So it's going to wow. be, I think, one of the most exciting additions we've ever seen. 
How important are those grand tours in the calendar? Because we know, and we'll debate this uh, in a minute about the potential arrival of a Tour de France. Uh, but in terms of the, the seasons between the classics and how important is it for you guys to have those grand tours as well as the classics, as well as the, the other races? Yeah, it's really important, I think, for us to have the Grand Tours. I think it just it completes our season and it makes a season, yeah, full with all the different races. I mean, we want to be racing the Cobra Classics, probably me less than other riders want to race those. Um, you know, I love the Ardennes Classics. Uh, you know, we have those sort of shorter tours in Spain, in Basque Country, and then having that Grand Tour is, is or Grand Tours hopefully in the future, is, is something that's really important to us. We want to be able to show how we can you know, race hard every day, um, day after day, you, you know, you, you have those different opportunities. And I mean, yeah, you guys would know racing a, a grand tour or a tour is, is just general to a one day, different to a one day race. You have different qualities and, and different riders, different chances. So I think it's really important just to have our season complete. Um, Amanda, you mentioned at the start, you've just been up at altitude training and on near the old world's course, <laughs> which you'd pretty much new like the back of your hand so we've just seen the announcement I guess the big positive is we have a world championship so it's a big plus for all you the athletes and us the fans um do you know what can you tell us do you know much about Imola and Emilia Romagna I did see one quote whether it's true or not they've tried to match the original world's course in Switzerland as as close as possible yeah so yeah great news that there's going to be world championships um yeah, so I've heard um, – actually, my coach, Gene, he was on the – he drove down to Imola yesterday to sort of check it out. And it's been a little bit frustrating that the UCI announced – well, they've sort of dragged out the announcement and then they announced where the course is going to be, but they didn't release any course maps. They just released a description. So um, that's that's been a little bit frustrating to try and sort that's of get information. That's a job for the Cyclist Alliance, I think, to sort <laughs> yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, so that's been a little bit frustrating. But um, I know Gene's driven a couple of best guesses of what the course will be. And, I mean, the feedback has been great. It is, it's a really tough course. I think the difference, you know, in Agle, we were looking at a sort of 15, 10-, 15-minute climb just in one hit. And from what I understand in Imola, it's it's a much more demanding area as a whole. So we're looking at more sort of, you know, three, five, six minute climbs, but no flat, just just up and does down that, the whole the whole time. So does that suit you better, do you think? Rather than the original course, like you say, of a 15 minute climb? Would you prefer that sort of more power, I guess power climb, punchy climb, three, three, four minutes? Yeah, I have to say for my natural ability, this sort of terrain probably suits me better than, than maybe what Agle was going to do. And and I think, you know, in Agle, it, it may have been more a case of um, who can hold down a Mick Van Fluten's wheel for, for how long on, on that sort of climb. And, you know, that was sort of, I think, you know, she would have had one tactic on, on that course, whereas this course is... For my part, I think it's going to be more dynamic and more exciting. And from what I understand, it's it's up and down. Um, it's quite technical as well. So I don't think it's going to be as predictable and it will suit uh, more riders. I think it'll be a bit more open probably in the men's as well to, to what riders can actually end up winning in the end. You put them, you put them twice, I think, in the world. Um, what's the target? What's the objective this year? Oh, I'd love to win the rainbows. <laughs> yeah, that's One. the... The goal is to go there and, and try to win. I've won a silver medal and a bronze medal with the Aussie team. And I think, yeah, we have a, a really great group of girls in the Aussie team. So it's not just me. So I think some other riders are really stepping up. So I think, yeah, to beat the Dutch, we need to, to race as a really good unit. And I think we have that now. So I think we we aim for gold. And that's what we go there for. And actually, 
maybe as a side question, but how scary are the Dutch? Because you you work with Anamic, <laughs> uh, but you know we work the, we watch the European Championships. You guys, of course, were not there, but uh, they look scary as you know they look they look they look just so competitive. From your riders' point of view, how scary are they? Yeah, yeah, you don't want to go on the wrong side of the dot. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the top 10 in the women's UCI ranking, I think six or seven of them are Dutch or some yeah, huge figure like that. So, I mean, they're very, I mean, they're the best in the world. And so you line up and, you know, normally they have the biggest team as well. So they have eight, eight, nine riders on the start line um, and, and they're very well drilled. They've all been racing bikes and so uh, <clears throat> five or six almost. So, yeah, I mean, they know how to race and they definitely use their numbers. And I think in the last sort of three, four years, they've definitely um, been working a lot better together at a race like a World Championships as well. So, I mean, it can be intimidating, but at the same time, you just remember they're still all the same riders that were raced against the whole season. So you still remember that and you see Anna Meek and she's in a different jersey, but you still, like I'm teammates with her, but I also, I really know like where she will want to attack and how she'll want to win. So I focus more on, on them as riders, more as them as just a huge orange, you know, unit. Hmm. Actually, maybe that's a, that's a rookie question, but do you talk to them? Uh, do you talk to Anna Meek when you're on an event like this or you sort of cross eyes and you you say, we'll talk, we'll talk next week? Uh, no, Anamik and I still talk. I mean, yeah, even in Innsbruck after she crashed, she came and, you know, we were asking, yeah, I was asking how she was and she gave me a bit of information. So even in, in that scenario, we were still talking a bit, but there's still that serious side. I know, yeah, you kind of, uh, you're like, yeah, it's even when she won a Yoshi, like you're happy and then you're like, ah, oh, but, you know, she's still my opposition in this race, but next week she'll be my teammate again. So it's always a bit of a strange thing at Worlds. You spend like 95% of the year being teammates and then you have this one race where you're almost enemies. So it's hard to not to not talk. It'll say well, anything. I reckon, Spratty, this year at the Worlds, you can sledge a little bit because you won't be teammates really after that. So just sledge a bit before the start, you know, get under a skin. We've got, we've got to try any sort of tactic, I think, to beat the Dutch. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were a good person. I thought you were a good person. Am I going too far? Come on. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. Um, now, listen, Christoph mentioned, uh, and it is. I think it is exciting, the potential, or they're saying it's been announced 2022, so not next year, 2022, a women's tour de France. Now, I will say, Spratting, you would know this, I've been – critical a bit of the ASO in the past, not doing enough for women's cycling. Lacourse, there's been a couple of good ones, but I think there's been a couple of duds. But I've got to give them credit now because suddenly we've got a Liège, uh, sorry, a Paris-Roubaix, as well as a Liège based yeah. on Liège. But a women's Tour de France, is it another step in the right direction in your eyes? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, yes. I think, yeah, I know we've had this sort of discussion before and I've said, yeah, that the ASO are frustrating and, you know, we don't want to support their races as much um, because, you know, there are other races that are doing a really good job. But I think for women's cycling, the reality is that the that the Tour de France or La Course is sort of the one race where we get the most number of viewers worldwide. So I think, you know, having a women's Tour de France is going to be a fantastic thing for women's cycling. Um, from what I understand, it'll run off the back of the men's Tour de France. It'll be, it'll be, I think, sold as one package. So we'll get that sort of media there. People will be there to cover it. Um, it'll be a huge, huge show and a huge thing for women's cycling. So I think for me, it's double thumbs up. And I think it's, it's a huge, huge progression for women's cycling and for our sponsors as well. So, yeah, I think it's a great thing. Do you think, and, and on that... Do you think, I mean, the UCI, uh, sorry, ASO, 
a savvy, aren't they? I mean, they are a business. So do you think, I think the positive thing is they see the opportunity here and they can see the growth in women's cycling. Um, and that's, and that's you know, it's a business decision for them as much as a, I guess, a passion decision within cycling. But it's got to be good because I think if ASO can see the opportunity here, um, I think this can be a really big thing. Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, you know, we say, you know, why has it taken so long and this and that? But the reality is as well that women's cycling is still quite young. But I think we are in this real period of growth now where it's, you know, you're seeing, you know, I think there's already three or four more teams wanting to become world tour status next year. Um, so, yeah, the sport is growing really, really, really rapidly now. And, and I think it's the right time for an organisation like ASO to jump on board and see that, like you said, and then and really help to sort of grow it. So, and I mean, yeah, as well, having Paris Rebay this year, I mean, of all years to to get it, we've been asking for it for many years. And then in this crazy year, all of a sudden we've got it. So I think, yeah, I mean, personally, I'm really, really looking forward to watching that. And I think it's going to be a great spectacle for for women cycling, hopefully I'm on mm. my so on my couch watching that. But um, <laughs> I'm all not on the pub, well. Eh? Oh, well, every time I mention it to someone, they sort of look at me and say, "Oh, you're a bit small for that, aren't you?" <laughs> so <laughs> I'd be Couple very happy on my couch. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but do do we do we know actually about this woman sort of front? Is it going to take place or not? Because what we've been reading is UCI has made the place or the space in the calendar. But as the ASO... Came, it was David Lepartian that yeah. announced it, wasn't it? But not uh, ASO. This is the power play between UCI and ASO. Has ASO announced anything? Are they are they going to do it? Do you, what, what do you know? Uh, I don't know, actually. Yeah, that's a good question if they've actually announced it themselves. I have heard some some rumours that ASO have also agreed to do it. And I think they were even more even looking at 2021. But I think the fact that you have the Tour de France and then the Olympics straight away, then you won't get any top riders going to it, which is the reason for 2022. So, I mean, fingers crossed it's going to work out that way. So, Amanda, I mentioned um, Cyclist Alliance before, which is the um, women's cyclist body, I guess, that, that looks after all of the, the women pros. I've got, I've got an interesting question, I think, for you because I've, I've sort of looked at this and I've been really critical of the CPA, which is the men's version, which frankly I think has been a waste of time and I don't think they do enough for all of the men's cyclists, both the really top-level ones, the guys on the big contracts and the guys that are on the really small contracts. But what I see with the Cyclists Alliance that I believe you're involved in, because you guys have started it from the ground up, you're, do, you're already doing more for all of your women athletes and you're already sort of, um, you're working together. Whereas the CPA, there's this disjointed sort of thing trying to happen. Not all the teams are on board. Not all the riders are on board. Some riders are, some aren't, mostly aren't, I think. But I think with the Cyclist Alliance, it, I get the feeling that all the women are starting to get behind um, Cyclist Alliance, which I think is so important. Um well, how do you see it from all your years in the sport and what you're involved in now? How do you see that? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, for starters with the CPA, I mean, one big problem with the CPA is they receive money from the UCI. So they're, they're never going to really stand up against the UCI in, the, in a lot of the things that we are fighting for. So that in itself is a real problem. I think with the Cyclist Alliance, which um, Gracie Elvin is one of the founders of that, along with Irish Schlappendo and Carmen Small, they're all... Uh, riders or ex-professionals so they they understand the sport from a current point of view as well the other issue with the cpa is that um the people running it are you know riders from 20 30 years ago so they're not they don't have as much knowledge about how the current environment is Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, it's it's crazy. I'm um, old. My old. Are you saying I'm old? <laughs> well, she's not. No, she's no, not no. That no. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I fall short of saying. So, yeah, same. whatever. The ancient the period. Oh gosh. But I mean, yeah, I think for cyclists alliance, I think we're seeing. Um, I mean, and it's a platform more, you know, we're trying to improve women's cycling as a whole. And like you said, from not just from the world tour level, but from the continental level, um, the pathway into the sport. And I mean, if you become a member, uh, athletes there have access to all sorts of stuff like legal resources, um, you know, tax, um, a management platform with contracts, because I mean, it's not super common in the women's uh professional peloton or anything to have an agent so a lot of people do their own contracts so there's such a huge variety of things that the cyclist alliance can help with and and as a young rider and i think it's just much more approachable um and you know i know even for me you know this covid testing has been a bit of a challenge with timing and you know who's racing who has had a test who hasn't and you know the cyclist alliance is someone that you can reach out to and they can then contact the uci and get answers for you so i think yeah it's I think being an independent association as well has been a really critical thing in just helping helping the sport and and trying to increase that level as well. I think the men can take a leaf out of that book, Absolutely. actually. Um, well, their association yeah. is in the same village as the UCI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The CPA the is based <laughs> in the same village as the UCI. I mean, like yeah. you said, I mean, it's true. I mean, I don't, and I'm being serious for a moment. I, I don't expect you to make controversial comments, but it just is a really interesting observation yeah. when you look at the CPA, how long it's been around cyclist Alliance has been around what one or two years already. And I feel like they are already making new yeah. roads and, and making Absolutely. such a big difference. So I've got a quick uh, question regarding, you mentioned the COVID testing. Uh, how has this changed? You know, cause you guys are, have been tested for any, anything else, uh, but COVID uh, over, <laughs> over the year, uh, but this just adds on to what are your commitments as well. What is this like from a, from a, from an athlete point of view? You're just about to go into the Giro. Uh, talk to us about yeah, the, the process. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like more, almost another you know, tick the box or another thing that you do before you leave for a race. It's just added in and added into the program almost. So, um, yeah, essentially, like for the Giro now, we have three tests beforehand, two or three tests beforehand, and um, the UCI have released what days those need to be on. They've realised they need a bit of flexibility because uh, it's just not possible sometimes to get it on the exact day and if a, if a day falls on a weekend. So different teams are using different methods. For, for our team, we're doing saliva tests from a company in the UK. So, I mean, FedEx come, drop off parcels to each of us individually. We provide the sample in, in the slab tube. FedEx comes, picks it up, takes it back to the UK to a lab. It gets tested. Uh, it goes onto a platform where the results are and then our team doctor can see the results and inform the race. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not too painful or not too – yeah, it's not too hard for us to do and I think an important thing to do because I think, yeah, there's just more and more research about the – uh, as an athlete as well, the dangers if, if you do get COVID, the long-term effects as well. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's important to do anyway from a responsible side of things to society, but also for everyone else in the peloton as well. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I'm just interested in the last bit you said, Spratty, about the more, the more we learn about this virus and the long-term effects. Like what I know we're basically – we're learning, aren't we, as a as a world mm. more about it. So I won't hold you to what you say, but what what do you hear? Because I, I sort of would think, well, gee, super fit athletes, 
it'll just be like, you know, a nasty head cold or a nasty, even a flu, but it, that's all it will be. Once you recover, you'll be back on the bike and back into it. So what, what, what does concern you, I guess? Yeah, I think there's more and more evidence around the long-term health effects around as particularly heart and heart damage, um, lung damage as well. Um, and especially as an athlete, if I, I know that it can be an issue that uh, as well, if you get the virus, some people are asymptomatic, so they don't have symptoms. They don't know they have it. They continue to train full gas. Um, so yeah, there's been more evidence around how that can affect you as athletes in terms of, yeah, the long-term heart and lung damage is, is the concerning thing. And, and they've said for some people, it could potentially be career ending if, if they continue, uh, to train with this virus and, and pretend it's not there. Yeah. Well, okay. Just to, to conclude this podcast, uh, what, what can we wish you for the back end of 2020? It's been a very complex year for everybody. You know, uh, what, what can we, what, yeah, what, What, what can we wish you? Oh, you could wish me good success, I think. I've got my big target <laughs> period coming with Giro, uh, Dens, Worlds. But, um, yeah, I think mostly I'd love to see the cycling season play out. And, and the biggest wish from my part is, is that uh, COVID can stay under control and we can get control of this pandemic that um, I think you guys in Melbourne can get out of lockdown. That would be wonderful if we can get the numbers under control there. I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hard... Uh, con conflicting ideas because yeah I really want the cycling season to continue but I mean the cycling season is this big compared to what's happening in the world so I would love to to finish the year and know that there's a vaccine and and, and wish for that and that we can sort of carry on and and continue in a world sort of almost like what it was before the pandemic Yeah, wise words, Brady. Nice words. And uh, you know what? I'm prepared to stay in a lockdown a bit longer if it means you get a rainbow jersey How's that sound? Yeah, deal. Deal. I'll, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> Just like hurry it. up and win it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you, Spotty. Thanks, Spotty. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank you. This, uh, this was a great chat. Yeah, awesome. it was a great chat. Yeah. She's, awesome. she's a gem and she's right at the top of her game, isn't she? And it's, it's exciting what the next few months holds for her. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you. Uh, this was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central's podcast uh, special edition. Uh, remember that if you want to listen to the last updates of the Tour de France and the debrief from the stage from last night, uh, you have to tune in on our podcast, sbs.com.au slash central or log a rise with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye for now. Before we go, a quick shout out to Zwift, the fitness app that turns indoor riding into a game. Getting started on Zwift is easy. All you need is a bike, a trainer, and the Zwift app, and you're ready to go. Explore endless roads, race riders from all over the world, and boost your fitness with monthly training plans and structured workouts. Join the world's training playground, where fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial.